This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. To download more lectures, learn more about our project, and to help support it, visit www.bayina.com slash dream. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H slash dream. You are free to share these recordings with family and friends. Thank you and Jazakumullah Khairan for helping us make our dream a reality. والضحى والليل إذا سجى ما ودعك ربك وما قلى وللآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولسوف يعطيك ربك فترضى ألم يجدك يتيما فآوى ووجدك ضالا فهدى ووجدك عائلا فأغنى فأما اليتيم فلا تقهر وأما السائل فلا تنهر وأما بنعمة ربك فحدث اللهم تقبل منا تلاوات القرآن جزاك الله خيرا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين إن شاء الله تعالى we begin today a study of سورة الضحى I hope all of you enjoyed the wonderful recitation today it's a change of flavor إن شاء الله تعالى uh, with, with our beloved uh, Tajweed teacher, Hafiq Wassam. Um, 
As I described last time we were here a couple of weeks ago, we're going to start our study of every surah with a series of parallels that it contains with the surah that preceded it. So that's how we're going to start. We're going to look at a comparative, we're doing, we're doing a comparative look between Surah Al-Layl and Surah Al-Duha, Surah Al-Layl being the surah we studied last time. From a stylistic point of view, from the area of Al-Badi'ah, we noticed that in Surah Al-Layl, Allah Azza wa Jal mentioned the night first and the day second. So the night was mentioned first and the day was mentioned second. Now as a contrast, what we're going to see here is the day is mentioned first and the night is mentioned second. Al-Duha, the morning light. The Duha refers to light, the light of the sun, also refers to the early time of the morning. And then Wal-Layli Ida Saja. So day first and night second. So that's one contrast. Keep that in mind as we look at the other contrasts in these wonderful surahs. In the previous surah, the addressee, the audience, primarily was the Quraysh. They were the audience of that surah. The of this surah is the Messenger of Allah. So it's a completely different audience, a contrast in who is being addressed is the second difference in parallel between these two surahs. Surah Al-Layl ends, the conclusion, we said this before, the conclusion of a given surah is tied to the introduction of the next, as Al-Biqa'i comments and As-Sami Ra'i also. So in the conclusion of the previous surah we read, وَلَا سَوْفَ يَرْضَى Those were the last words we read in the previous surah, that soon he will be pleased. إِلَّا بْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ رَبِّهِ الْأَعْلَى وَلَا سَوْفَ يَرْضَى uh, with the exception of the one who pursues the face of his Lord or, or his, of his master, meaning he is in pursuit of Allah's contentment, and that's the only goal before them, this is the one who will finally be truly pleased and satisfied. In this surah, we learn who is the most qualified of that title, that they will finally be pleased. In the very beginning of the surah, we're going to learn, وَلَا سَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى that your master will give you, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then you will be pleased. So in the previous surah, generally, whoever does this, whoever pursues the face of their master will be pleased. Now we're learning, well, who actually truly pursues the face of their master? It is the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he in fact will be pleased. فَتَرْضَى Surah Al-Layl makes a promise about making ease. We read this last time, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى you know, you fulfill certain conditions if you recall, and at the end of it, although the gift Allah will give you, He will make the easiest thing facilitated for you. The easiest thing being Allah's guidance and, and obedience to Allah. He will make that path easy. But you know, we also learned and acknowledged that the path to truth in the surah before even, was described as difficult, al-aqaba, this high mountain you have to climb up. Now the Messenger himself, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is in a struggle which obviously is difficult. So while the previous surah promised ease, this surah acknowledges that the, the, the struggles of the Messenger ﷺ are becoming very difficult. So he is being given promise that it's going to get better. So it's almost a continuation of what, what started in the previous surah. Here Allah says, وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى It's like giving his Messenger ﷺ this, this uh, uh, almost consolation that you, it's going to get better. The, the, what is coming eventually is better than the earliest. Also in this surah we found, وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ book Soon your Lord will give you, and when the ayah comes, we'll discuss that in more detail. Another wonderful comparison between these two surahs is, in the previous surah, Allah mentioned the one who gives. فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى أَعْطَى The one who gave. So giving was attributed to the human being, he should give. But in this surah, it is the contrast, Allah is the one who is giving. وَلَا سَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ 
your master will soon give you. So in the previous surah, the human being was giving, and it's like Allah is responding, you gave, and now Allah is giving, subhanahu wa ta'ala, your master will give. In the previous surah, we learned simple term of accepting or confirming the truth of Islam, وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى That he confirmed the truth in the most beautiful good. He confirmed the truth in the most beautiful good. And in the Messenger's own life, he was also seeking that truth and eventually Allah revealed it to him. And those are the words, وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًا فَهَدًا And you know, we shouldn't casually translate that. You know the word ضَال, just like in Surah Al-Fatiha, is translated misled, right? Or lost. So you, some people have translated even, you know, he found you lost and guided you. But that requires a little bit more discussion because we should be careful when we speak about the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Another yet amazing comparison and parallel and lesson between these two surahs and their comparative discourse is the mention of mal and the mention of giving of ghina. Ghina in Arabic, if you don't recall, is the, uh, the, the state in which someone doesn't need anybody else. Allah says about Himself, Wallahul ghani. Allah is free of need, He doesn't need anybody else. A ghani in the worldly sense is someone who's so rich, they don't need any money, they don't need anybody's help, they can do everything on their own. This is ghina. In the previous surah we learned, Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَمَا يُغْنِي عَنْهُ مَالُهُ إِذَا تَرَدَّ His wealth will not be able to make him ghani. His wealth will not be able to make him free of need. He thinks his wealth is going to make him free of need, but when he falls into the ditch, his wealth will not be of any benefit. This is what we learned in the previous surah. So we're learning here that wealth will not make you free of need. In this surah, the positive side. Okay, so while wealth is not going to make one free of need, so where is... How are we going to become free of need? Allah Azza wa Jal says in this surah, He found you in a desperate state and He made you free of need. So it's not mal that gives ghina, it is Allah that gives ghina. Allah makes someone free of need. Allah takes care of their needs. So the, the pursuit of wealth is being contrasted with the one who pursues Allah. And that's why in the previous surah we found in its conclusion, ibtigha'a wajhi rabbihi. The pursuit of the face of his master, as opposed to the pursuit of what? As opposed to the pursuit of wealth. So, going further, we find in the previous surah, Allah mentions similarly again about mal, الذي يؤتي ماله يتزكّى, the one who gives his wealth in order to cleanse himself. Now, what are some avenues in which you can give wealth? They are discussed in this surah. فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرْ وَأَمَّا السَّائِلَ as for the orphan, as for the one who asks, and we're going to talk about the injunctions of Allah, don't turn them away, don't humiliate them, don't you know, embarrass them, etc. Now the ultimate blessing, the ultimate blessing in the previous surah, was at the end, the ultimate goal, and that if somebody can achieve that, they've attained the ultimate blessing, that was, That's the ultimate blessing. And when somebody has the ultimate blessing, they should be grateful for it, and they should acknowledge that, that favor that has been done upon them. At the conclusion of this surah, in Surah Al-Duha, we find, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثِ Interestingly, on the matter of guidance, both surahs talk about guidance. Allah Azza wa makes a declaration in the previous surah, إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا لَلْهُدَى We have taken exclusively upon ourselves, truly the matter of guiding. Guiding is only and exclusively something that Allah Azza wa Jal gives, and we talked about that last time. In this surah, Allah, because He's the one who owns it, He even shows us how this favor was given to His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًّا فَهَدًا So He took ownership of guidance in the last surah, and shows how He guided His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this surah. 
an interesting contrast between two kinds of needy. In the previous surah, we were the needy and we were seeking Allah's pleasure. In this surah, the needy come to us and we shouldn't turn them away. So there's these two kinds of needy that are being described and the lesson we're learning here is the one who's truly in need of the favor of Allah and the, pers- and the pleasure of Allah, they will never be turning away anybody else who comes towards them with a needy face. So we actually re- recognize the faqr and the, the ayla, as we say in, in, in the language of our own selves. As far as the layout of this surah is concerned, it begin, begins with a couple of oaths. وَالضُّحَا وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَعَنْ This is a consistent theme we've been observing in these series of surahs. They begin with oaths, a number of them. And the oath, as we said before, is a means by which you are asked to reflect, and it prepares you for the lesson that is about to come. The fundamental lesson of the surah is favors Allah gives His Messenger wasallam. This is what we're going to find in this surah and the next surah. They're paired together in that they are... Special surahs about Allah giving His Messenger favors The final of these, the surah that culminates the favor in its ultimate form will be Surah Al-Kawthar when we read إِنَّا Al-Kawthar But before that, these two surahs are also dedicated to Allah explicitly describing the favor that He gives His Messenger So we'll explore the relationship between the oaths that were taken in the beginning of the surah and what they have to do with the fact of the favors that Allah does for His Messenger So this is essentially the, the first part of the surah, the oaths and then the favors given to the, His Messenger and the conclusion, now that the favors have been done to you, what should you do in return? As a show of gratitude to Allah, what should your response be? O Messenger of Allah And as a result, what should we be learning when favors are done upon us? Now, Abduha, we begin ta'ala with the study of the surah itself. As far as the context of revelation is concerned, Yudkar Annahu in Qata al Wahyu Ayyaman that the the it's mentioned that the uh, revelation was discontinued for a few days. Fahazan al Rasulu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then the, the Messenger والسلام, was you know depressed and he was very saddened that revelation stopped coming. Lidalik. حَزَنًا شَدِيدًا حَتَّى قَالَ قَسَمُ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ مَا نَرَى رَبُّكَ إِلَّا وَدَّعَكَ وَقَلَاكَ You know, he was intensely grieved by the fact that revelation stopped coming for a while, this fatra, this gap, until a group from among the mushrikun, some of, like Ibn Kathir rahimahullah mentions, it was the wife of Abu Lahab, right, that, that actually said this or started this kind of sarcastic comment. They basically said, oh, we, 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 we see that your Lord, or your Master has pretty much said goodbye to you. Wadda'ak. The only thing left for him to do now is to say goodbye to you, and he's abandoned you, and he's unhappy with you, it seems. Waqalak. Wadda'aka bima'na tarakaka, waqalaka bima'na abghadaka wa tarakak. Wadda'a means to, you know, he's abandoned you, he's left you, and qalak, a qala that's going to come in the ayah also, is that he's displeased with you. So some of Asirun say, because of these sharp comments of the mushrikun, it is in response to those comments that this surah was revealed. Before we go any further, you have to understand some, some things about the historical scenario that we're dealing with. The Messenger of Allah wasallam is delivering this message. And he is ultimately concerned with the plight of humanity. We have to appreciate the burden on his shoulders. And I mention those words strategically, because in the next surah, Allah will talk about that burden. Okay, Allah Azza wa Jalla will mention wizr, wizr meaning the burden on the shoulders of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There's no more messengers coming. If he does not deliver the message properly, then it's not just the Quraysh who get destroyed; all of humanity is destroyed. 
It's an enormous amount of pressure on his shoulders, alayhi salatu wasalam. So when he's delivering this message and people are not accepting, instead of complaining that the people are not accepting, he's constantly worried, maybe I didn't do something right. Maybe there was something missing in my efforts. So he's always, almost internally blaming himself. And Allah Azza wa constantly tells him, this is not your fault, you have nothing to worry about. You know, th- these people, they're the ones that are at fault, etc. So Allah constantly consoles his messenger. But, the Quraysh see this opportunity of a few weeks or a few days of revelation not coming. And what do they say? Oh, no new ayahs today? No surah today? Oh, I suppose he's not happy with you anymore. And they're chuckling among each other. They think it's funny that they make these kinds of sarcastic remarks to the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Now the Messenger wasallam, not that those words, he gives them weight, but it's the thought starts creeping in his mind that maybe, maybe I did do something wrong. Maybe that's why revelation stopped coming. Maybe that's why revelation stopped coming. One of the benefits of knowing the, 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 the oath in the beginning, the first ayah of the surah, al-duha, Allah swears by the morning light. Al-duha is the time of day in which there is activity. Al-fajr is still early morning. People are just starting to wake up. But al-duha, it's hustling and bustling, it's rush hour on the highway, everything's moving around. It's the time of basically, the time of day that is full of life, that's full of life and activity and movement. That's al-duha. Allah swears by that time, and by the way, uh, we, we mentioned some of this before, you know, when, we, when the word duhaha came up, the light of the sun can be soothing and it can also be scorching, right? Later on in the day, it can get pretty intense and it's painful. But early in the morning, the light of the sun is actually soothing and wonderful. And it's, it's something lively. Allah swears by the soothing light of the morning. And what that teaches us is, it's a parallel drawn between the revelation coming upon the Messenger When the revelation used to come to him, it was like the soothing light of the sun falling upon him. He was full of life. Now let's look at the next oath. Actually, before we go to the next oath, some evidences in the Qur'an, how Allah talks about the duha. وَأَنْ يُحْشَرَ النَّاسُ ضُحًا That people would be gathered at duha time. Even the Qur'an alludes to the fact that people are hustling and bustling at duha time. A little bit of a, a small passage from Dr. Fadl Salih Hassan al-Ra'i that I'd like to read and translate for you. وَقَدْ أَخْصَمَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى بِالْضُحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى Allah has certainly taken an oath by al-duha, the soothing morning, and also by the night as it becomes still and lifeless. Saja, wal-layl, I swear by night. Ida saja, when it becomes still and lifeless. Let's see what else he says. Wahuma waqtan fi ala nafsil bashariyah. He adds another comment of, of uh, reflection on this. He says these both of these times are important from a psychological point of view on the human nafs, on the human personality. Islahi commented on this further. He said that, you know, these two, things, these two times are very, very opposite. And Allah is alluding to these two times because these are the two, it alludes to different kinds of emotions or situations people face. Sometimes life is easy, sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes there's happiness, sometimes there's sadness. Sometimes there's ease, sometimes there's difficulty. Sometimes there's relaxation, other times there's pain. And you would think, why isn't there always ease? Why isn't there always relaxation? But if you reflect, you will learn just like the night and the day, the night when it becomes totally still, it is the time that all of you know, the animals and human beings, they get a chance to rest and sleep. That is an important part of life, to go through the darkness. So what we're learning by, almost by drawing a conclusion from that is, going through hard times in life is actually a part of life. And you have to go through it because there are some things in our personality, 
some good qualities that Allah put in us, you never get to harness them and to develop them until you are put in a difficult situation. I'll give you an example, sabr. If life is always easy, you would never learn to have sabr. It's a quality Allah put inside of us, it's a virtue Allah put inside of us, but it only comes out and it only manifests and it only blooms under difficult circumstances. Gratitude. Only when something is taken away, you become more grateful of what, what you had. And when you get even a little, the gratitude comes out and harnesses. So even in difficulty, there's a blessing. The, the day has its soothness and its comfort and its relaxation. And yes, the night is still and deathly. And it's, you know, it's motionless and it's depressing. But both of them have a role to play. So he, that's what he's talking about as far as them having a, a, an effect on the person. But the other thing that's also really interesting is that both of these times are very soothing. In the, the morning time is relaxing and the, the deepest part of night is also basically a time of deep rest. We will find the soft language is used from a, from a badi'a, from an embellishment point of view because the entire surah is talking about the Messenger wasallam. So we'll find language that even the choice of words illustrates Allah's love for His Messenger wasallam. وَالْمَعَانِي وَالرَّقِيقَ الْمَعَانِي مَا يَدُلُّ عَلَى مُحَبَّةِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى لِلرَّسُولِ وَلُطْفِهِ وَعِنَايَتِهِ بِهِ Subhanallah that these words, the choice of words is we're going to find in this surah, they allude to the love Allah has, the intense love Allah has for the Messenger ﷺ, and the subtle beautiful words he chooses in the context of the discussion with him. So what is the definition of al-duha? We said already, It's the time of the rising of the sun, sun after shuruq, it's kind of late morning. That's the time of duha. Now let's talk a little bit about as-saja, and the, the use of that word, inshallah, in, the, in this ayah. Saja, I said two things, but it really in the meaning there are three things meant. The first meaning of saja is a sukun, stillness. That's the first part of the saja. So when Allah's, Allah is swearing by night, He does this in other places. Wallayli ida yaqsha, wallayli ida yasr. So what's different between wallayli ida yaqsha, the night as it covers, wallayli ida yasr, the night as it eases in and eases out, and then wallayli ida. Saja. Why is saja the best choice of words here as opposed to those ayat in other ayat in which Allah talks about the night? In all of them there is motion. Yawsha, there's movement of the night. Yasr, there's departing of the night or arrival of the night. But here there's stillness, inqita'ah. It's cut off, it's still, it's not moving. And the theme of the surah is when revelation stopped coming. So the word chosen is that which is, alludes to discontinu- discontinuity. It stopped. If yaqsha or yasr are used, there's motion in them. But there's stillness in this one, and there's death in this one. There's, you know, and actually saj is used for even sajal mayyit, the, the, the corpse was still. Laylun saj, the adjective is used in Arabic literature. When the night becomes completely motionless, not even a leaf is moving. S- similarly, sajja ma'aib akhik. There's an expression in Arabic, cover and, you know, hide, completely bury so they become still the faults of your brother. This is an Arabic proverb from even before Islam. Now, I alluded to the fact that even the darkest of night and the brightest of day, both of them have a purpose. And subhanAllah, Allah tells us this Himself. He says, He is the one who made the night for you so you can find tranquility and stillness in it. You can relax in it. And He made the day full of, or easy for you to see in so you can move around and, and go about your business. Now, this is the allegory that I've been trying to allude to, but let's go to the text itself and see what's been said by the Mufassirun. وَالضُّحَى هُنَا يُمَثِّلُ نُورَ الْوَحْيِ وَإِشْرَاقِهِ The soothing light 
represents the light of revelation and the brilliance that it had on the Messenger and how he was able to deliver that brilliance to others. كَمَا قَالَ المفسرون, As the Mufassirun have said, وَاللَّيْلُ يُمَثِّلُ انْقِطَاعَ الْوَحْيِ وَسُكُونُهُ وَسُكُونِهِ rather, he says that the night represents the discontinuation, the cutting off of revelation when the revelation stopped coming and its stillness. وَالدُّنْيَا beautiful, he says, Assam al he says, وَالدُّنْيَا مِنْ غَيْرِ نُوحِ الْوَحْيِ ظَلَامِ This world without the light of revelation would be in darkness. Without the light of revelation, it would be in darkness. وَلِذَلِكَ قَدَّمَ سُبْحَانَهُ الضُّحَى هُنَا SubhanAllah, how amazing the Qur'an. He says, how come Allah mentioned the morning first and the night second? He's describing from a, from a literary point of view, how come Allah begins with duha and then goes to layl? How come He didn't begin with layl and then went to duha? Well, revelation started coming first and then it was discontinued. So the morning is mentioned first because that represents what? The revelation coming down, the soothing morning, soothing light. And then it stopped coming and that is like the night when it became still. So that, that sequence of the events in the life of the Prophet ﷺ is captured in وَالضُّحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى Because you know somebody from a skeptic mind can come around and say, well, how come the previous surah said وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَى وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا تَجَلَى Light, night first, day second. This surah should also be night first, day second. But it's contrasted because it fits this context better, subhanAllah. So, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى now Allah gets to the point. Remember we said the mushrikun had said, Oh, your Lord, your master abandoned you. He left you. Actually, some mufassirun disagree. Some mufassirun say this is not an authentic narration. And perhaps this is a feeling that the messenger had without even the commentary of any mushrikun. He felt this in and of himself. Maybe Allah is displeased. Let's look at the language Allah used. Ma wadda'aka. Let's explore the words first. At-tawdi' in Arabic is to say farewell. But that's the original word is al-wida'ah, which some Urdu speakers are used to, al-wida'ah kana, right? Al-wida'ah in Arabic is to say goodbye. But at-tawdi'ah is yadulu al-mufariq, it's like final goodbye or never coming back. Okay, like goodbye at the airport, one-way ticket, that's at-tawdi'ah. But goodbye at work, because you're going to see the guy the next day, if Allah wills, is al-wida'ah. There's a difference between the two. Now Allah uses at-tawdi'ah, there's shadd on, wadda'aka. By the majority of the Qur'an, they recite, not wada'aka, but wada'aka. So Allah is saying, Allah has not permanently bid you farewell. Allah has not said goodbye to you forever. Now, before we go any further, there are different ways of saying this in Arabic. You could say, lam yuwadda'aka. He didn't, in the translation would say, he didn't bid you farewell. But we don't find this in the Qur'an, we find ma wadda'aka. The use of the word ma is important to note. Ma in negation, ma is, you know, to, to, to say a sentence and make it negative in the past tense. But its benefit is to actually emphatically declare it. For example, just to make the matter simpler, simple, if I say, Lam yuwadda'aka, he didn't bid you farewell. He didn't say farewell to you. Ma wadda'aka, he didn't bid you farewell at all. That's not the case at all. He's going beyond just saying that, to actually convincing the Messenger ﷺ because this use of ma illustrates that the audience that you're speaking to are skeptical or unsure. So it actually alludes to the unsure state of the heart of the Messenger ﷺ who wasn't sure if Allah is happy with him or not. So Allah is giving him absolute certainty Allah is not at all and has not at all been displeased with you just by the use of the word ma here. That ma in and of itself is an expression of Allah's love for his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
The other thing that's really beautiful is that, you know, the bidding of the bidding of farewell, this at-tawdi'ah, yakun bain al-mutahabbin. هذا من حيث اللغة. This bidding of farewell at tawdi'ah is not used when enemies say goodbye to each other. It is only used when two people that love each other, friends, family, when they say goodbye to each other, and this is an emotional thing, and this is a thing that's full of honor and, and respect and love, that's when tawdi'ah is used. So first of all, the, love, the word in and of itself has love for the Messenger ﷺ. Even though it's bidding farewell. So Allah you know, could have said, مَا تَرَكَكْ Your Lord didn't abandon you. He, could have said, he didn't say that. He said, forget abandoning. He didn't even lovingly say goodbye to you. He didn't even do that much. He's not left you at all. Now, the word for Allah used here is Rabbuka. Allah does not say, مَا وَدَّعَكَ اللَّهُ Allah did not bid you farewell at all. He says, your master did not bid you farewell. فَهُوَ رَبُّكَ فَكَيْفَ يُوَدِّعُكَ Right? He's your master. He's the one who gives you gifts, who takes full control of your affairs, who's in charge of you. Why would he say farewell to you? So in the use of the word Rabbuka, your master. He's your master. Why would he say farewell to you? The, just the use of the word Rabbuka in and of itself again has love for the Messenger ﷺ. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ Not Rabbu Samawati wal Not Allah Al-Khaliq. No other name. Rabbuka. This in and of itself is an expression of Allah's love. And again, to say farewell to others in Arabic, as we find in the Qur'an, you could say adara, wadara, taraka, khalla, hajara. There are different words you can use to bid farewell. But the perfect choice of word to say, even in the most loving sense, Allah has not left you or abandoned you. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The next word is wama qala. Wama qala. And he is not displeased at all. He is not at all displeased. Now let's explore the meaning of the word qala first before we discuss some of its, you know, its implication. Al-qala in Arabic is when you are unhappy with someone and as a result you discontinue communication with them. You're unhappy with what someone did and as a result you're not continuing to communicate with them anymore. Now the amazing thing is the word qala is called what we call in Arabic al-muta'addi. It's a transitive verb. What that means is you don't just say he's, not, he's displeased, you say he's displeased with you. Like in English, you don't just say, for example, you can't just say, I, or you could kind of say, I ate, but you're expected to say, I ate. It's time for the adhan? It's time? Okay. So we'll inshallah ta'ala discuss the ayah, wa ma qala, that part of it after the salah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Barakallahu feekum.